Welcome to The 8 Billion Project, where we're on a mission to make an impact by discovering and sharing the purpose of every person on this planet. I'm your host, Lisa Florida. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The 8 Billion Podcast. I am your host, Lisa Florida. And today we've got a very special guest, Adam McGowan. Adam is an expert on entrepreneurship. He helps early stage entrepreneurs raise raise funds, excuse me, build teams, and perfect their tech products. As a serial entrepreneur himself, he's been a leading ally, advocate, and advisor for numerous startups. He majored in economics at Harvard University, then worked in finance for 10 years as a risk analyst at an investment bank and hedge fund. In the following 10 years, he was an entrepreneur founding and growing a a successful, excuse me, consultancy that built and enhanced tech ventures and products. Now, as a consultant to early stage entrepreneur, he off, entrepreneurs, he often takes an acting leadership role in their ventures so he can work alongside them to solve problems. Welcome, Adam McGowan, to the 8 Billion Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's it's actually my pleasure to actually have you. I mean, what's really great is, you know, your expertise in, in entrepreneurship. And so one of the first questions that I really wanted to ask is, are you seeing a rise of new entrepreneurs that are coming up ever since the pandemic? I think the answer is yes. So it's it's interesting because you might have thought it would have gone the other way. You know, I mean, you know, pandemic introduces more, maybe more risk, maybe more fear, more uncertainty, all the things that kind of uh, go against entrepreneurship, right? But I found this as an interesting opportunity because a lot of people have actually looked at all the change that's come at them that they, they effectively had no way to foresee. They had no way to, to defend themselves against. And as, as bad as things were from the pandemic perspective, things around their work life changed immensely and they said, it's actually pretty incredible now that the things that have become clear to me are the opportunities that I didn't see before. And a lot of people have actually used the pandemic and the change in their work-life balance as the jumping off point uh, to do the things that they've been you know, telling all their friends and family they wanted to do for a decade, and they never did it. So I think in that respect, there's been a bit of a surge in people who are willing to take the leap for people who maybe entrepreneurship isn't their thing and maybe they're a little risk averse. The pandemic probably made them even more risk averse. But for the people on the cusp, I think this was like the launch pad that really, that really pushed them uh, more actively into the role of doing it and actually starting to launch a new venture. So uh, yeah, that's what I've been seeing. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, because you specialize actually in tech startups, right? So are you, what would you say are like uh, trends that you're starting to see with tech startups right now? Well, it's interesting because um, I, my background has been in helping scale and grow uh, startups related to technology, but yet I'm not a technologist myself. I'm, I'm sort of this weird mixture of, of things. So um, I've always been a technology hobbyist, but when I grew launched and grew my consulting firm, I surrounded myself with real heavy duty technologists. I was a little bit more of kind of the strategic piece of it. And, and my focus was actually on founders who were not technical, who were trying to build a technical product, because that was me. Like I, I was not technical and sort of self-taught 
And, and I realized that technology is where so many of these opportunities are. And when I launched my own ventures, you know, I went from being a non-technologist to somebody launching a tech startup. And so I had this unique background and I thought, this is one of the key things that's been really um, sort of democratizing entrepreneurship is that the non-technical can now more easily launch technology-based ventures than I think they ever could before. The tools are there, the communication means are there. Um, and so I think that's been really interesting. And so, you know, this idea, you know, there's, sure, there's still plenty of brick and mortar, you know, uh, shops going up, but frankly, many fewer in the pandemic, right? You know, so so this surge of having to be able to leverage technology really also got accelerated, I think. So not only entrepreneurship itself had a bit of a boom, but people were saying, well, look, I need to be able to do this remotely. I need to be able to use tech. I need to be able to have this be a digital experience because the in-person world has changed for potentially for a long time. They needed to prepare for that. So I think from a technical perspective, I'm also just seeing a bigger proportion of these new ventures having no, no choice but to be much more technical and digital in their approach because the world is sort of dictating that for them. Yeah, no, that is very interesting that you say that because I'm interested in tech, but I don't have a technical background. So I'm just like, yes, that's exactly what, you know, when I, when I come across or, you know, I, I've actually uh, invested in a tech startup, but it just fascinates me. I understand it conceptually, but I mean, everything that goes behind it, but it's true. It's the basis that it takes. You can have a great tech idea, but it's like what you're saying. It's the, you know, you studied economics at Harvard. It's all of the, you know, it's all of the other skill sets that it takes to actually truly launch something successfully. And so what I, yeah. And so what I wanted to ask you is, you know, are you noticing also um, something different in terms of the skill sets that other entrepreneurs needed to have, especially in these last few years, and then now more so because of the pandemic? Yeah, I think so. So particularly, again, because my focus is so heavily centered around tech startups, but also non-technologist founders who are trying to launch a tech startup, that's where it's been really interesting because um, what I found is, it's very, it had historically been this big challenge, but there was this big wall built where people said, well, I'm, I'm not a computer science person. Like, I, I, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to design a website. So how am I going to go start a web-centric or a digital-centric or some sort of technical startup? And it's becoming, I think, um, easier to do it for a couple of reasons. One, just the sort of DIY toolkits are becoming more readily available. So pre previously, the ability to even develop simplest of websites over the course of the last decade, it's gotten so much simpler. It's gotten, it's gotten so much more uh, democratized for the non-technologists to be able to sort of put their presence out to the world, mm. you know, beyond just a Facebook page, uh, much more effectively than they have been in the past. So that's really great. It's also been the case that I think having run a technology consultancy for a decade, uh, I think that there's been a big evolution in the way a lot of those tech shops work with non-tech founders because they're becoming a bigger and bigger proportion of uh, the entrepreneurship base. You know, it used to be the case that you had all these techie entrepreneurs start to build a techie product. And then as they needed to really scale it up, they'd go find people to help them expand the tech. Now it's someone who doesn't really have experience with technology, but has an amazing idea. 
you know, they were a risk taker. They've sort of done their homework. They have this incredible vision, but they said, but I don't know how to do this technically. And so you had to evolve as a company who builds tech to that kind of an entrepreneur. Because if you just said, oh, you know, you need to give us all this super technical input and you need to be a technologist yourself to be able to work with us, that doesn't work anymore. That yeah. absolutely doesn't work anymore. And as you think about the way the pandemic has pushed more people on the cusp into entrepreneurship, I think that proportion of the non-technical founder keeps going up and up and up. And yeah. so these other people, whether it's people who want to become a co-founder who's technical, companies that want to sell their services to people who are non-technical, um, they've got to continue to evolve and do better. And so their approach, the way they communicate, the tools they use, the sort of way that they uh, kind of translate tech speak into non-tech speak, all of that has had to have gotten a lot better. So I've been seeing a lot of that too. No, that's amazing. It's a very niche business now. I mean, and so, you know, it's great that you entered it because you are, you know, that is a very great niche business. And even let's just say even outside tech, right? And the reason why I'm asking that question about giving rise to new entrepreneurs, people were always separating their career with their hobbies. And now you're starting to see like this creative outlet, like come out among so many people. And now they're actually using their creativity and hobbies and now going into business. But still, there's a good business base that they need to have. I mean, even me, I was I was like, I wish I came across you, Adam, when I was doing all these, you know, all these other startups that I wanted to do, because it does. It, there's a whole breadth of, of character traits, skill sets, craft that you need. And another thing that I noticed that you, you speak on a lot is the ability to collaborate, right? Would you, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, in and out of itself, um, that is definitely one, you know, because a lot, sometimes you do find entrepreneurs that are very among, you know, they're within themselves, they're very introverted. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it's, it's being able to connect with the rest of your team and be able to, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Explain things and work with them cohesively that will sure. bring, you know, a, a business to life. Yeah. Well, so I couldn't agree more on this idea of collaboration. You know, it couldn't be more important, particularly in the pandemic or what we've seen over the course of the last couple of years, even um, the sort of the trend of being able to be more remote in the way we engage with people. So for the people that never knew of anything like Zoom or, uh, or Google, you know, or, or any of these other platforms, right? They had to get in the know, right? If they wanted to see anybody over the last year and a half, they had to get sort of more, um, more technologically savvy. But the, the idea around collaboration is one where, you know, means of communication have had, to, have had to change. The way in which we use that communication to um, sort of get our point across has been, has been so different. I mean, and also, I don't know if you've sort of, I've heard the term of kind of like Zoom fatigue, right? So people have their 10th <laughs> their tenth Zoom of the day and they're sort of waning, right? It was a lot easier when you were in an office and you could, you know, you might, you might the 10th time you interacted with someone other than yourself didn't feel like a burden. The 10th time you do today on your 10th Zoom is a very different thing. So the ability to sort of communicate effectively, communicate efficiently, whether that's technology-wise or not, um, these traits have really had to ramp up, right? People have really had to sort of up their game and their ability to do that. But it's, but it's always been at the core, this idea of, of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so, and I can say firsthand, when I left my finance career, 
and I launched into my first technology venture. I had a product I was trying to build before I evolved into a consulting business. Um, I didn't collaborate enough. I, I started to build a team, but I was, I was too insular. I was sort of too focused on the task at hand. And, and sort of, I learned the hard way that I didn't bring enough other people in. I didn't sort of collect enough outside perspective. I didn't, I didn't sort of show what I was working on to enough of the rest of the world, maybe for fear that uh, they might take the idea and run with it. I'm not exactly sure, but, mm-hmm. I've, but now I sort of teach and guide almost the opposite when I work with founders, because it's only in these very rare cases, I think, where uh, more collaboration is bad. You know, if the team is too big, right, it becomes unwieldy. But at a certain size, it's sort of like this three to eight kind of a number, right? This elite, outstanding team, um, you know, the sum is greater than the parts for sure. And so that's something I didn't really appreciate enough 10 or 12 years ago, but I'm glad that I learned that lesson. No, that's amazing. I mean, that's that's exactly it. It's learning from either your past mistakes or your past experiences that help you grow. And I can just tell now, even in just your energy, like the way you're going to go about this next, I guess, this next vision or next step of your career is going to be a lot different. I, I think it will. And, you know, if, if someone had met me 20 years ago when I was just coming out of college um, and then they met me or, you know, another version of me today, it's a pretty stark contrast. Uh, you know, I think that there's been a lot, you know, some, some, some evolutions better and some worse, but there's been a lot that's changed over that period of time. And I think um, a really big, you know, collection of challenges that I, I had back then. And, and, you know, just to touch back on my background a little bit, I wasn't an entrepreneur then. I had sort of entrepreneurial inklings and I sort of like many people like toyed around with it with, with college, but then, you know, college was ending. I had student loan debt up to my eyeballs. So like, you know, the, the startup wasn't going to pay the bills or going to, wasn't going to pay the student loan, the student loan collector. And so I went out and got a real job and right? I, I worked in finance but I was like very like aggressively type A. It was like, I, you know, had to be bigger, had to be better, had to be, had to, had to, the job had to be constantly progressing. I was working in finance. So it was very money driven. So more money was better than less money. I mean, it was a very, a lot of status driven stuff, a lot of like the story you get to tell others about what you're doing. And that's a lot of, took me a long time, but a lot of that was just BS frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, get married and start having kids till I was well into my thirties. Um, I wasn't ready for that probably 10 years before. Um, I wouldn't have probably done either of those things particularly well. I hope I'm doing them well now, but I certainly wouldn't have done them well just sort of 10 years before. And just my perspective on it has changed a lot because I focus so much now on what, what story I don't want to tell other people, but like, what is the story that actually matters to me? You know, and, and that story is not um, more money at all costs. It's not uh, grow my business to go public and go on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. It's not to, you know, get an article in some magazine because people will be impressed. I'll tell you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, those things would be pretty awesome. Or at least I would have thought they would have been pretty awesome until the shine wore off very fast. And I realized they weren't as great as I thought. So I do feel like a long process of getting much more comfortable with sort of where I am, what I really, what I care about, what I want to do. You know, the idea, like 
the proportion of my time I spend with my kids and my wife relative to what I would have thought, you know, when I was in working as an investment banker, it's a completely different thing and I wouldn't change it for the world. And so I think without that change in my perspective, um, I also think, frankly, whether it was more hours or, or more of a, a crazy go, go, go attitude, I'm not even sure that would have made for more success in business or more, uh, you know, a better venture. It certainly wouldn't have made me happier. And so, you know, I've still got a lot to do. I got a lot to learn. I've got a lot to progress, but it just seems a lot, I, I feel more comfortable, I guess, in my own skin and the way I'm doing it now than I, than I was doing it a while ago. And I think in the moment, I didn't even realize it. And so that's another thing I spend a lot of time talking about with entrepreneurs because there's all this pressure. You know, did you raise money? Did you not? Uh, you know, who are you talking to? You know, what, what article, you know, what uh, news outlets were willing to chat with you? So much of the time, when it comes down to getting to what those entrepreneurs really care about, they say those things are important. But when you dig a couple layers deeper, that's not really what they, that's not really what they want. And so, you know, I, trying to work with them to figure out what are their passions, what's their purpose, right? what are their principles, and they're unique to them. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be driven by anybody else but them. But once they get to that point, that's when we really get going. Like that's when the work really mm -hmm. starts. Because when they get to that point, then I get super excited about what's going to come because their path to success will be much easier to find much more illuminated, much more rewarding than constantly kind of on this treadmill, trying to chase these things that they think other people want, or they think other people want them to do. And they think they're surprised at how much that might be different than what they really want to. And that's certainly been true for me. Wow. No, you had just dropped so many gems in that last five minutes. That was amazing because I almost even in your voice and your explanation of everything I could own and not knowing you for very long. I could even just in that, that those five minutes, I could see the transformation that happened with you. Now, going back, what was that? You know, you did say, you know, you left, uh, you know, um, what do you call that? Finance and hedge sure. fund. And like I'm sure. saying, there is, that's what you're saying. It's more, it's, it's better, it's competitive. And that was the collective energy. And like, that's yeah. what you were even just saying just a few minutes ago. Even yeah. if you could produce more, even if you could become, it was good, it's not going to be enough. So what yeah. allowed you, was there a moment, you know, or a series of events? This seems to be my, always, this always seems to be my question. Yeah. But yeah. it is because those are those turning points for everyone. Could yeah. you identify that time for you in, in your career? Well, absolutely. Um, and, and I can't say that I just had this incredible self-driven awakening where I just woke up one day and I said, oh my gosh, like, what have I been doing? It's time to make a change. Outside factors definitely help. So my job, not to get into a bunch of detail, but my job when I worked in finance, um, was very heavily tied to all of those crazy securities that ultimately caused the mortgage meltdown in 2007, 2008, 2009. So like when you watch a movie like The Big Short or something like that, like that was me. I went to those conferences. I walked around with those people. I did, that's what I used to do for a job. So my awakening, I didn't look for it. It came looking for me because all of that stuff sort of kind of blew up and I was right in the middle of it. Um, and so what was really interesting about it, though, was how I chose to come out the other side of it. 
So a lot of people, there were a few categories of people. There were people who um, were sort of like the villains, you know, in that, um, in that, that movie where like they made a huge amount of money before and then they just like went off into the hills of, of some distant land and they never went back. They've retired and they're, now they're off and they're gone. There were the, um, there were sort of the people who said, well, um, you know, I, I still, you know, my, my company may not be around, but, um, but I'm going to stay in this industry. And I'm going to kind of re-up. And then there was the third bucket, which was like me. And so my bucket was, well, I think this job I have is either gone or going to be gone very quick. And I need to decide what I want to do. And I think what I had realized was that that event made me understand that I had been confusing skill or what I thought was skill for passion. Um, I used to think, oh, I'm so passionate about going to work. I'm so passionate about working crazy hours. I'm so passionate about, um, you know, finding all of these successes or wins or whatever you want to call them. And I think I was confused. I think I was confusing the idea that when you apply this status or again, other people's measuring stick to what you're doing, ours was very simple. We'd have to, people invested in our funds and if the funds went up, they were happy. So if the funds went up more, they were happier. And so, oh boy, we must be better. We must be doing really well. We must be really good and passionate about what we're doing. And I don't think it was true. And so at that point, I realized um, I need to rethink what I'm doing. I need to rethink um, how I do it. And I need to rethink what's really important because I seem like I'm measuring something with everybody else's measuring stick. And, I, and the problem was I didn't really know what mine was. I just knew mine wasn't the one I was using at that point in time. And so that's when I first decided that the eight or 10 years since I had been in college and I'd been bouncing around all kinds of sort of uh, startup ideas in my head, I thought this was the time. And, and that, was, that was my moment where I, you know, I had to leave a career, leave an entire industry. Um, a lot of my friends you know, just found the same job at different companies. It just that wasn't for me. Most of those friends would call repeatedly and say, oh, you're doing your own thing? How long before you come back? Because there's no way, you know, the money's good, right? The money's good. Everything came back around. Things are going to go well again. Like there's, you can't be out for very long. And I think I proved them wrong because I really did have that moment where I said, this isn't, um, this isn't what I want. And frankly, it was a pretty lucrative industry. So if money and status and all those other things was really high on the list, I probably would have figured out some way to stay. But I think that was the first moment when I thought maybe there's something else for me. And, and I think that's really when it started. No, that's amazing, though, that you mentioned that, because sometimes a big part of these interviews, there's, you know, you always wonder how the connection works or anything like that. I was bucket three, too. So I came from real estate. I was residential real estate, but we did a family business. But as the mortgage meltdown, you know, it happened and it completely, you know, overturned everyone, uh, us including. However, what ended up happening was because my mom had, my mother who, who started the business had been through several cycles, she could see the foreclosure industry coming. So what we did is we landed six of the major banks as foreclosure agents. However, something internally in me was changing. Because I saw like, you know, when real estate was just money was raining from the sky, right? And then all of a sudden there's something within me. And like, just like you, it, it's not like a specific day that I remember. It was just something internally was like 
starting to turn. Like you are questioning more of like, am I mistaking this with like what I think success is as, you know, based on, you know, based on what other people see, as opposed to really, what does your heart want to do, you know, to do. And from there, like a series of events, like even me going back to the Philippines and kind of seeing life, you know, with, from their set of eyes was truly life-changing for me. So I I am back in the family business now, but with a different set of eyes and so much, you know, ran with so much more passion, you know, there's more meaning to what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great that you had that you had that moment. I mean, they're game changers, right? They're game they changers. Are. They're absolute game changers. I almost feel like, yeah, we we were going through the same thing at the same time, but I commend you really for sticking through that and following. You know, now you're you're here coming out with your consultancy agency, and it's gonna just continue to grow as you know, based upon your experience and your ability to help. Like people would ask, tell me, like, why don't you become a life coach? Well, I haven't gone through enough life yet. So then how can I coach people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny though, because what we do, we do gravitate though towards the the kind of people who experience similar things to what we experience. And so, you know, if you just looked at sort of a tagline for what I do on, on LinkedIn or something, you'd say, oh, okay, he's a consultant for entrepreneurs. And it seems like it's a very broad thing. And it, and it can be very broad. Like I've, I've enjoyed helping all different types of companies at all different stages. But um, if you really pin me down and, and focus on the place where I spend most of my time, it's actually with people that were like me at the moment when I had my kind of awakening, right? So I left not only a sizable company, I left an entire industry. I probably left a bunch of money on the table, if you will. And I made a very big leap. And so if anybody knows what that's like, it's me. And so I think like the first time founder who's in the middle of their career, um, I spend a lot of that are non-technical trying to build something technical, right? It couldn't be more me than that. Like that is my bio. I have uh, this, this sort of kinship with, with them. And I spend so much of my time with them because they are going through huge change. Like they made this gigantic leap. They're leaving jobs. They probably have maybe they're married with kids and a mortgage and responsibility. This is different than the Facebooks than than being in a dorm room, you know, with your hoodie on and writing code. This is very different set of risk, not to take anything away from everyone who's created incredible innovation that way. But this is different. The risks are different. The trade-off is different. The the in your gut feeling of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And what if this doesn't work? is so different. So I've been there and, you know, I took what sort of I had gained from the few years of my career in finance and I rolled that into my business and lost it. So I also can feel the pain of, of taking a hard earned, your own hard earned money and putting it into something and not seeing it play out mm-hmm. the way that you intended. So if there's any way to snap you into focus, that's it, right? That's it. When things don't go the way you planned, and then you have to sit back and say, am I going to, you know, turn in my, all my gear and retire, right? Or quit, you know, or move on to, so, you know, get another one of those corporate jobs, or am I going to re-up? You know, it was a hard choice to re-up. And I I commend people who do, and I frankly commend ones who don't, because it is hard, but I did. And so, for the people who are making the leap, I think, 
you know, when they talk to me, they might say, oh, he's been there and he's seen it go well and he's seen it not go so well. So I think that's been a place where we spend a lot of our conversations around figuring out how to take those lessons from when it didn't go well and use that insight to help people avoid some of the mistakes I've made. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think you are on to, and you're definitely on to something because it, it does take so much more than just skill sets and craft. And I mean, it's wonderful. You have a, a degree in economics from Harvard, but there is, there's that emotional part of it. And that, that when you sit down and talk, there's other things at the very core or below the surface that actually, you know, that will affect the way you will run a business. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're, so that is amazing. This is, it, you know, it is such, it's truly an honor and privilege to actually have you as a guest here on 8 billion. I mean, these are the stories I'd love to uncover because, you know, like what you're saying, if you look, if you look yourself up on, on LinkedIn and you see the tagline, right. You're, you're a consultant for entrepreneurs, but it, it does take so much more to consult entrepreneurs these days. So much more. It, I, I mean, I like to say it's really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a guide, right? It's all them. You know, it's all them, right? They have to have this courage and they have to have the creativity. You talked about it before, right? The collaboration. There's all these factors, their ability to build community, their ability to sort of commit. These things are immense, right? And so I give them the, I mean, I admire them. Like they, I give them so much credit, but I do know that if only there was somebody for me, you know, a dozen years ago, I look back and I say, who would have been, what would have some, what could someone have provided to me then to have sort of relieved some of my anxiety? What, what could someone have done to sort of help guide me or sort of take those traits that were like pretty raw, but, but had potential and shape them right into something that was going to be more successful with sort of less ups and downs and, and a straighter line towards, uh, towards kind of winning or success, right? what would that look like? And that's how I've tried to shape what I do, right? I'm sort of more that, that guidepost that sort of keeps, keeps you in the lane, right? And keeps you from sort of going off the edge. And also, um, you know, if the, if the vehicle needs a little bit of a boost or a little bit of a, you know, uh, you know GPS direction on where to go, they, that's, that's, how I like, um, that's how I like to be able to contribute, you know, sort of standing shoulder to shoulder with someone and sort of giving them that confidence boost and, the ability to also like, you know, roll up my sleeves and actually help them execute. Cause that's always great when people give you a lot of advice um, and, and theory is different than practice. Right. So I know that right. firsthand too. So I can give people a lot <laughs> of theories until you practice what you preach. Uh, people don't seem to take it as seriously. So, you know, I can tell you some things you should do, but then when I stand next to you and do it, you know, somebody give me the shovel, I'll help dig the hole. Then it's, it, it has a little bit more weight to it when you're willing to do that, I think. No, you're absolutely right. And the reason that I'm laughing is because I do it all the time. You know, I'm telling friends, I'm texting them, you know what, just go at your own pace. You know, the world will move at your own pace, even though it seems like it's moving fast. And yeah. as I'm texting it, I was like, God, that's such good advice. I should listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I've had plenty of moments where I do that too, where I send them like, Ooh, why am I not doing that? That's really good. That's right. Good. Why am I not doing that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so maybe you channeled a message from, from spirit or something, you know, something. your higher and self. Something. Yes, something. that's right. That's right. But it does force me to sort of, uh, you know, kind of put up or shut up. Right. Because if I'm going to say it, 
And then someone says, oh, can you help? You know, oh, no, 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 no. I can't help you do that. That's like, well, really? Is that the best? Is that the best course of action for me if this guy over here is not willing to do it? So that's, that's been sort of my litmus test to say, oh, you know, um, have I experienced it? Am I willing to experience it? Like, can I sort of get in the trench and help out? And if the answer is yes to those things, it feels like a pretty good checklist as to whether or not I think it's good advice. Yes, absolutely. Now you did say like you specialize in tech. Have you taken on other entrepreneurs not specializing in tech? Um, it's a funny thing because when it comes to tech, so many things today get lumped in, right? So it's yes. almost like if any bit of what you're doing touches on tech, your tech. Uh, I mean, you, you could be trying to launch a bakery that has some incredible delivery service that's better than everybody else's, even though you have a storefront, like so much of what you're doing is on this newfangled app that's associated with your bakery. So now you're, you're tech, but you're really a brick and mortar bakery that's just helped by tech. So, so I think sort of like tech with a big T is sort of, to me, like, um, you know, artificial intelligence or semiconductor, all of these other sort of big, big tech. I feel like a lot of what I'm doing is more like tech with more of a lowercase t. It's sort of the tech to support the vision that someone's trying to bring to bear. So, you know, I have a client who is uh, literally, his mission is to cure cancer. So you're not going to do that with tech, but the delivery mechanism for lots of the things he wants to do is very technical. So, so I guess what I would say is almost everybody is very much non-tech, and also very much tech in many ways, at least the yes. ones that I, that I tend to work with. So um, I think it's probably been very rare that I would, uh, if someone said, uh, look, I, um, I want to start a shoe company, right? And I want to do it without tech. I want to just open up a little store in the middle of town all on my own. I'll be an island. And, um, you know, I'll, I think first I'd probably advise them on some other ways to evolve the business model, which might include some tech. Um, but yeah, but it's been, it's been very rare. So I think it's always been a mix. But I would say in a typical day with a client or a partner I'm working with, maybe 10% is sort of tech talk, right? And the other 90% is about all these bigger picture issues that are more core to entrepreneurship yeah. at, its, at its basis, right? Not entrepreneurship for tech with a big or a small T, but just around decision-making and sort of risk and being resilient, resourceful, right? How do, you, how do you be able to sort of, how do you decide amongst particular options in periods of uncertainty um, and unrest and pandemic and all these sorts of things? So, so much of our time is spent doing that. And frankly, whether or not you're baking pies or you're building iPhones, like so many of the, of the, of the elements that we talk about are the same, right? They're the yes. same in one way or another, they're the same. No, you're absolutely right. Because I'm very much like that. Like whether, you know, we have the real estate business, right? And we were even when we started off, like, you know, my mother started off in the eighties and then we jumped on in the nineties, right? But, you know, the way you know, real estate hasn't changed as, you know, the business itself, but the way, you know, the vehicles that we use in terms of, you know, like the technology or taking, you know, like you're building now, not just a website for people to read information about you, you're taking in leads, you know? So there's so much of that. And even on a passion project, like, you know, this, like 8 billion, there's so much, I had to take a step back because and recalibrate some of the goals and visions just because a lot of it was tech driven. A lot of it is what social media platform are you going to go on, right? And each social media platform has so many different, 
areas of like expertise that you need in order to become successful on that platform. So you, you made such a wonderful point on that, you know, but most important, yeah, it's probably 10% is the tech part, but then 90% is like the emotional wherewithal. It's, it's, yeah. it's really taking those entrepreneurs to where they really need to go. So I'm really excited about where your business is going to be taking you in the future. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Now, you know, like, you, you know, we've talked so much about business and, and you did. And there's a big part that you talked about the personal part of you that internally drove you to to start going more towards your passions. Um, but, you know, you you are a father of two and you are married. What is life like now? Are you I mean, are you are you still in an office? Are you working from home? So I'm working from home. Um, we actually just bought a new home. So it's like sort of been a little bit of a mix the last few months. Um, but now I have more of a dedicated office space, which is great. Like the pandemic was was crazy with school or lack of school and childcare and lack of childcare um, and sort of multiple uh, working parents trying to do Zooms in different spots in the house. So, so it's a little easier uh, than it was. Um, but I had been, um, you know, sort of pretty lean in my operations for a while. So even when I ran the technology agency, even when we ramped up to as many as 20 people, um, we were global in our footprint. And so we had members of the team all over the, the world. And I think at any given time, we probably didn't have more than uh, three or four people in sort of one space or one, or one office. So this idea of being kind of nimble and remote, even pre-pandemic uh, was pretty much the norm uh, for us. But um, yeah, but now I'm... Uh, I have my own office and my own house, you know, and uh, <laughs> my wife's office is, is you know, a floor away from mine. And so we're, um, we're sort of doing the pandemic um, in, uh, in, our own, in our own way here. But frankly, I don't think things are going to change very much. I mean, work-life balance has changed um, the way we approach work, even, even with my clients, the, the number of them uh, that thought it was really critical to even uh, experience each other in person a lot. Um, it was pretty high pre-pandemic. And, and I think they've all been sort of surprised at how much we get done. And, and when you don't have an option for doing that in person and you put that focus on whatever tools you have available, you can rise to the occasion, right? So I think as soon as things free up, I'm very excited to get out and sort of you know, see them, right? I want to do this. I want to go out and I want to enjoy them face-to-face. -face. But the need... Um, for that. I always knew the need wasn't necessarily there because I ran a remote business, but they didn't, right? A lot of non-technical founders think I need the old sit at the table. We all have to be there, you know, yes. in close proximity, the old model of the old, uh, you know, office model. They realize that that's changing. And I think that's been a huge uh, adjustment that's really come on the heels of the pandemic because so many people have really changed their perspective on what work even looks like, you know, how to collaborate, how the office structure works. Um, it's, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how it plays out in the coming years. Yes. No, I, I absolutely agree. You know, someone who comes from an industry where it's absolutely being face-to-face, -face, I was showing homes on like a Zoom meeting, <laughs> yeah. you know, on a Zoom call, and it was kind of, you know, it was changing. But yes, I mean, like human connection can happen whether you are in each other's physical presence or whether you are just even on a Zoom, you know, on a Zoom call. It truly is. And the lag time in between, right? Like I would drive an hour out just to go see a client when oh, you yeah. just now click on, you know, you know, click go live and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's just been really neat. And yeah. on top of that, my network of people has just grown globally. 
in just, I can just think in a year. So it's amazing to kind of see where everything is going here in the future. It's so funny, right? And counterintuitive. Like who would think that a pandemic that locks everything down would then open things up, right? That you didn't see before, right? So I think, I mean, the pandemic can kind of be a metaphor for so many things, right? When you're launching a company and like, how can this huge risky thing I'm going to do introduce all of this other sort of opportunity that I never really even knew existed, right? So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I love to see when I'm getting a chance to work with entrepreneurs because like that moment when they go from kind of, you know, fear and excitement mixed, but then when sort of the excitement and innovation wins out, right? That's the moment when it gets super exciting to see where they go from there. And if I can help them sort of unlock that even the tiniest bit, um, that's, that's a win. That's huge, right? That's, that makes everything for me. Well, no, I mean, I can see you going to so many great places, especially with just this conversation that we had right now. And I thank you so much for actually being on the 8 billion podcast. But however, you know, I've always said that I want 8 billion to be a legacy project. I, if I, I would just start it, but if people could just keep contributing to it, but what I do have, what I have asked a lot of my interesting and, and, you know, guests, I said, if you, you know, if there's a parting message and you just had a few minutes to talk to an 8 billion population and you get these next few minutes to do so, what would be your words of advice? Sure. Well, you know, this is, this is something I tend to say to new entrepreneurs, but I think it really applies to anybody who is on what I would say sort of like the doorstep to some sort of a big change in their life. And what I feel is that when you're really focused on what truly matters to you, and I'm saying like you with a capital Y, like this is, this is very much you in that it's your passions, it's your purpose, sort of it's, uh, it's your principles. So if you can do that, and you can really drown out so much of the other noise coming from other people or status symbols or all of these other sorts of things, you would be amazed at how clearly lit your path to success can be. That, that's the thing I see all the time, which I think is hugely underappreciated. Now, that said, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's no guarantees out there. So I don't want people to think, oh, what an, what an inspirational message. I'm just going to quit my job and sort of launch. No, no, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be guaranteed, but it's going to create the greatest opportunity for you to find what you're looking for. So I think for those people who are sort of on that cusp, if they sort of look inside and say, am I really focused on what, what is important to me or my family or my principal, whatever those things are, that's probably the best possible foundation you could create for yourself. And if you've done that, um, I think so many of the other pieces are going to fall into place for you. Amazing message. That is something that I would just definitely, and it is, it's not easy. I mean, it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be a light bulb that goes off and all this kind of stuff. It is a journey. It truly is a journey. It is. It is. Yeah. And frankly, if, you know, it shouldn't really have an end, right? This idea of like, well, well, I'm just going to do this until I get that. I'm just going to do this until I make this much money, or I'm just going to do this until I can buy that house. Well, well, then what? Right. So then what? So what, yes. So the whole idea is that you're never going to get there. So if you can't figure out how to make the trip the destination, mm-hmm. it's going to be like a constant collection of 
weird disappointments. Like, why do that to yourself? Like, why do that to yourself? Like, oh, I'll raise more money and then I'll win. No, then you'll just have to go raise more money or I'll go sell my company and then I'll win. Well, no, then you're going to have this itch. You've got to scratch and then you're going to go. So, so no, it's not, you know, that's a big change for me because everything was about the destination when I was 20 or 25 or maybe yes. even 30, everything was about a destination. And now it's, now the whole thing has to be about the journey. And if it's not, I'm going to miss it, especially now with two small kids. I'm going to miss it if it's not about the journey. So yeah, it's been a big perspective change for me. That's for sure. Yeah, no, even, even just you talking about it, like uh, right now, sometimes even like I'm noticing too, even the words that I'm using, like, I can't wait until, well, that's always going to be something in the future. If it's like, I can't wait. It's like, enjoy these moments while they're here, because this is where your growth is happening. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, look at like uh, clients of mine who like take on a client themselves that they know is going to be a terrible client but they need it for something in the future. I'm like, you're going you're gonna to sort of mortgage your next two years of your career so that you can get to some other thing. Like, don't do it. Don't do that. Like, don't do that. So, so you make a little less money. You have a little less opportunity. What were you going to do with it anyway? Wasn't going to make you happier. Wasn't going to make you more content in the, in the scale of it. Maybe, maybe if you didn't bring on that client, you didn't raise the venture capital money. So what? Like, so what? Why, why you know? And so that's, those are the conversations you know, again, this whole idea of like 90% of the talking is not about tech. A lot of it's about stuff like this. So what? You know, how, how are you going to shape the company that really fits into what you want to do? You know, how does it make you happy? And, and at the same time, if you're really passionate and it makes you happy, that doesn't mean it doesn't help any other people. When you're really on point on something you're good at, that you're passionate about, everybody else wins when you do that. All your clients, all your partners, all your relations, hopefully your family, everybody else, everybody else wins when you're doing that. So when I just see people who are sort of in it for a destination and they're miserable, I, I, gotta, I, I gotta figure out how to shake them. Like, how do I shake them and say, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> stop doing that. You gotta stop doing that. So anyway, that's uh, another one of my parting thoughts, I guess. It's like, stop doing that, please. No, this has been absolutely amazing. And when I, when I get guests like this, I, you know, it's, it's amazing how fast the time can fly, but I'm sure after watching this, many people will want to get a hold of you. Could you let, you know, the audience know the best way to get a hold of you, whether they've got questions about life or even. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to overpromise you know, how much <laughs> I can help, but, but um, I think my website's probably the easiest way. So um adammcgowan.net, M-C-G-O-W-A-N. So adammcgowan.net. Uh, you could all, there's a few Adam McGowan's on LinkedIn, um, but you could probably, um, especially if you, if you either hear my voice or you look at me, you watch this, uh, this video, you should be able to say, oh, that's the one. So I should be found pretty easily uh, on there as well. But yeah, that's the, those are the easiest ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. So it has been an amazing time here with you, Adam. And thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom and experience, your purpose and passion in life. So like I said, I tell this to all my guests because I I love all the guests that I actually bring on. And so thank you so much for being on. And you're always more than welcome to come back on the 8 billion platform as we continue on on our journey, right? Because it's not the destination. It's always going to be the journey. So there's always going to be more to share in the future. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I just wanted to extend a thank you, not only for having me on, but 
for the project period, right? So you you seem to me, right, to be personifying exactly what I was talking about. Like you're like your excitement and passion for this and just sort of like the sort of the emotion and the good feeling that you bring to it. Like I've enjoyed doing it mostly because I'm sort of feeding off of, of you. So you're doing all the things that I spend so much time trying to get others to do. So thank you for that. Um, thanks for this. And yes, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on board and I'd love to sort of, I'd love to sort of be back at some point in the future. Cause it's a, it's an outstanding mission and I think you're great. So thank you. No, thank you. That means so much to me, really. And it's true. You know, like um, when I have guests on, you know, before before I end this show, when I have guests on, like the when you get to that level of vibration, when you when you, you my my guests are just matching me, it's sometimes you just the conversations go around, go all over the place. But it's just so nice because it it allows me to be able to help open up a heart space for them and speak truly from, from within. So yeah. it has been yeah. an, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Great. Well, same here. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 8 Billion Podcasts. Uh, I look forward to continuing putting out the next podcast and we'll see you on the next one of 8 Billion. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If it's moved you in any way, please review and share your thoughts or text me your thoughts at 949-247-2800.